it's just part of being in this body that we just we just have rhythm we just have the richness to our skin we just are able to connect in artistic ways that just feel so damn special and it's just part of our dna it's not something that is taught i don't know being a black woman and and black women in general are just so sacred Season two of Women. This season is solely dedicated to highlighting, celebrating, and amplifying the voices of Black women. Our voices, our experiences, our existence, our bodies, our lives matter. Welcome to season two. Black, 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 black women. women. My first name is Kat, and my full name is Catherine Lantigua. And my actual last name, as of two generations ago with my family, was Mosquea. And that is a last name that I learned about probably a year and a half ago. My grandfather was adopted and um, he took on his adopted father's last name. And so that's why my last name is Lantigua. And my first name comes from an inspiring woman that my mother looked up to as a child, a nun that worked in the Bronx, who's name was Catherine, Sister Catherine. So my mom always said that if she ever had a daughter, she would name her Catherine. So that's how my name is Catherine Lantigua. A bit about me. I am a 27-year-old woman based in Austin, Texas right now. I come from a Dominican family and I dedicate most of my days to building communities. So Right now, that plays out in my community organization, Goddess Council, that I founded in 2017, 2018, 2018. (laughs) And my podcast, Chats with Kat, where I interview amazing women like Geneva that I've interviewed. And um, I just try to have conversations with folks that will inspire us to realize that we're way more connected than we realize day to day and hopefully make folks feel like they are not alone. In, in the world. So social wellness and community is just something that I value deeply because I had an absence of that for so much of my life. And it seems like your mess is your message. And the thing that you crave the most is what you kind of want to yell out into the world and, and build in the world. So that's why I care so much about that. And uh, I don't know how else community building and um creating these spaces will play out in my life, but it seems to be something that I was born to do. So I was born in the Bronx in 1993 at Bronx Lebanon Hospital, and I moved to Miami at the age of five, where I lived with my mother and my stepfather. And growing up in Miami as a Black Dominican 
girl was really complicated because Miami is diverse and, you know, there are a lot of Latinos there and a lot of people who identify as Latinx. But at that time, it seemed like Blackness wasn't accepted as an intersection within the community. And having been born in the Bronx, where so many people looked like me and where there were so many Dominicans who inhabited that, that, that intersection of being you know, Dominican, Black, and Latino. Um, I felt at home in the Bronx, but in Miami, people just never really understood me. And so when I would try to explain to people my background, they, would, they wouldn't understand. And it was pretty isolating because people knew about Cuba and, you know, Colombia, Venezuela, and all of that because there were a lot of people there in Miami from these places. But Dominican Republic, in my little community of Miami and Kendall, there weren't a lot of Dominicans and the Dominicans that were there were white passing Dominicans and Dominicans that had looser hair texture and whose skin wasn't as dark as mine. So I didn't even fit in with them because they were able to like kind of mix with the other part, with the other communities of Latinos. So I got picked on. I didn't quite fit in with any one group because the the Latin kids didn't think I was part of their group. And then the black kids were also like, why do you speak Spanish? And why are you like this? So it was quite difficult growing up. Um, but I tried to make do with that. But it wasn't until I graduated high school where I was able to really find myself and understand that there was nothing really wrong with me and that there were way more people who understood me than there were people who didn't. So yeah, that's that was my journey. There was a moment probably around the age of 21-ish where I went back to Dominican Republic and I had already grown out my hair. I was natural. I didn't relax. I wasn't relaxing my hair anymore. And at the time in DR, the natural hair movement wasn't really as popular as it is right now. And so I went to my my like father's hometown or his like community. And I realized how different I was, different um, in the context of, of my community. But also, I saw how much people, particularly Black women within our community, gravitated towards me and were so interested to understand how I had gotten to that place in my life where I was okay with walking around with my Afro. And... What happened subsequently was that there was this one girl, Rachel, who I think was probably 12 or 13 at that time. She went to her house and she dunked her hair in water. She dried it and she came out and her hair, you know, she had it straightened. I don't, she wasn't relaxing, I guess, but she had it blow dried and she came out and her hair was starting to get curly and her afro was starting to come out. And she's like, look, I want to be like gathering. And that's when I realized that I had a crazy impact around me in a way that I was not anticipating. And for me, influencing a young girl at that age, a, a young Black girl on the island that has to deal with, you know, this um, colonized culture of constantly straining our hair and like never really allowing the outside world to see us for who we are to reclaim that in that moment at such a young age was 
super powerful for me because had I not gone, gone through that journey myself and embraced my blackness, embraced my black body, my black hair, my roots, my ancestors, everything, I wouldn't have been able to show up in the way that I did and she wouldn't have had that moment of representation. And so that was a really powerful moment for me now that I think about it. Because up until I walked there, like nobody in that barrio, nobody in that community would have ever, it's just not a, it's just the natural hair movement is taking off now in DR because, you know, we have social media, there's, you know, like more influence from the States and there are products now and there's salons now, but back then it was like absolutely unheard of. And so I don't even think she'd ever seen somebody up close that did that. Yeah, it's definitely a, it was definitely a powerful moment. This answer definitely surprised me when it came to me. So I think most of the time we think about, you know, the women who have like left positive, super positive impacts. Um, but for me, if I'm being completely honest, my, my dad's mother, um, has left a profound impact on my life and not for the reasons that I think most people would assume, but my grandma is a black woman in Dominican Republic whose father was a Haitian man and um, who grew up completely denying her blackness and still is denying her blackness vigorously and violently. And she taught all of her children to deny their blackness and really hates her blackness. And her impact trickled down to my father, who then trickled down to me. And everything that she taught my family is what I've had to unlearn about myself when it comes to identity, when it comes to self-love, because my grandmother did not have the luxury of growing up in a society where she was able to love herself. And so she thought that she had to pass that along to her kids to protect them because at some point she understood that she was trying to protect herself. And for context, like my grandmother was a young woman during the time of Trujillo, who was one of the most violent dictators of Dominican Republic and who, you know, was the most ultimate and like vocal racist of the modern time on, on the island and she grew up seeing all of that and hearing all of that and that's when she formed her identity was in that culture and in that environment so to expect anything different from her would have would be crazy but now that I have the awareness to understand that so much of what she passed down is not accurate and is not loving I have to unlearn all of that, but it's profound and it's generational and it's incredibly layered, but she's the black woman in my life who has made the most profound impact. And um, sometimes I have felt shame around that because I don't have the kind of grandmother that taught me to love myself and like, you know, isn't warm and, and loving like most people would expect a grandmother to be, but she holds a lot of truths about history. She is the embodiment of a particular time in history that created her and created many Black women just like her who 
are afraid of embracing their blackness, but I hope to really work on this for the rest of my life so that I don't pass along this generational trauma and so that I can revere our black ancestors that for so long have been disrespected and like gone through our like history and our family lineage as being disgraceful for what they look like when in reality it's because of them that we even survived it's because of them that I'm even speaking right now and to think that so many of my ancestors you know treated them and spoke about them so badly I just want to undo all of that yeah truly to be made up of flesh and bone that carry so much resilience and power but also sacredness to a time that we're not often taught about but is true and real you know like oftentimes we think about our ancestors in the context of like post-colonial times of like their resilience to overcome this environment but before that there was something else that we will not really know ever know the truth about because that's one of the horrible things about colonization is that our history was erased with that. But like we come from people that were able to live out that reality and live out this reality that was so sad, but still alchemized so much power, resilience, culture, you know, like all of the sacred truths that we carry still, you know, it is such an honor, such an honor. Black woman, to me, I just get descriptive words, like words like honey and sugar and sun and earth and texture, wisdom, fullness, vitality, fertility. Like Those are all the things that come to me, like art gold, richness, everything. Because we're so unique in the way that we can all present in so many various forms and we come from different parts of the world but still are tied in a way that is inextricable and it's just part of being in this body that we just we just have rhythm. We just have the richness to our skin. We just are able to connect in artistic ways that just feel so damn special. And it's just part of our DNA. It's not something that is taught. I don't know. Being a Black woman and, and Black women in general are just so sacred. I've been thinking about what Black joy means in the modern context in America with everything going on in 2020, let's say. We have, as a collective, Black people in this country are going through so much. And Black joy, reclaiming joy as Black people during a time where so much is pointing to the void or the absence of joy, 
um, or triggers to remove that feeling can look like so many different things for us right now. Black joy for me at this point looks like the space to breathe in clean air. Black joy to me looks like Black folks enjoying hearty meals together and being able to indulge or not even indulge because like we shouldn't have to feel like good things are indulgences. We shouldn't have to be in a state of suffering, but just black people being able to, to participate in goodness, whether that's eating amazing food and listening to good music or gardening and cultivating the land and reconnecting with our home or putting on a fire ass outfit and going down the block and watching everybody be impacted by the radiance. There's so many different ways that black joy can appear in this modern reality, but part of it is also feeling like we deserve it because there are so many of us suffering and there is so much pain, feeling like we can enjoy that during this time seems to be super difficult for a lot of us, but doing it anyway is so powerful. I would say to a younger cat or any Afro-Latina or Afro-Latinx kid growing up in a society or in an environment that makes you feel other, that the world is so much bigger than what you're seeing. It might feel like this is how life is going to be forever, where you're going to feel like an outsider or misunderstood. But I promise that this is a really tiny speck when you compare it to the bigger world. And there's going to come a time where you'll have the freedom to opt into another environment. You don't have to stay in this environment forever if you don't want to. You can get on a plane and go somewhere and be surrounded by people who will understand you. And turns out that that's going to come up a lot sooner than you think because life goes by pretty quick. So along the way, although it might be really hard, try to avoid letting anybody convince you that you are actually other because you're not. It's just that they don't understand you in that environment. It's just not for you, but you're not other. You're really not. And there are a lot of people who look just like you in this world and a lot of people who understand you. So don't let the folks who don't understand you convince you that there's something wrong with you for being you because there isn't. They, they just don't know and they're ignorant and that, that kind of sucks. But hopefully they come around and if they don't, it doesn't take away from your truth. At least don't let it. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like our grandparents and our great-grandparents, all of them get closer and closer to the origins of modern day colonization. It's like, as I, as I think about my black ancestors generations and generations ago, it's like closer and closer to Columbus's arrival, which means that racism 
and eugenics and all of the horrible things that came along with that are closer to the source, which means that the messaging is even more powerful. And then that trickles down over history and time to people like me. But along the way, it's building institutions, it's infiltrating media, it's infiltrating beauty standards, it's infiltrating all of that. So along the way, you know, there's a certain kind of beautiful woman, there's a certain kind of beautiful man, and outside of that messaging is ugly. And so many of the people in Dominican Republic and also just the Black communities along along the way in South America and Central America and all of the other islands were all impacted by the same stories, by the same narrative, the same racist, patriarchal narratives around what is good and what is bad. And it's happened and it's been reinforced and enforced for hundreds of years without a true challenge from a global perspective from the perspective of um, global pressure, because we are part of a diaspora. It's not just happening in silos. It's not just happening on one island. It's not just happening in one country. It's literally all of us going through the same thing, being told by the same kind of people who look the same way, a certain narrative. But now... We know that that's not true. We know it. We know that it's not true. We understand how it got here. We understand who made it so that these narratives would continue for so long. We understand who's benefiting. But we also have the awareness and the power to say, I say no, I opt out. I, I claim my understanding of truth and reality. And you cannot infiltrate me. I'm awake, I'm aware, and I know what you've done. And if enough of us say, I know what you've done, and I know what you're trying to continue to do, we can create resistance, but not resistance in in the way that would maybe come to mind as like, you know, protest and like go out as much as it's resistance by embodying the truth, just living it walking through the world with your fro. Because as we know, black hair, because of these hierarchies, because of these narratives, us just living and being and letting our hair grow out of our scalp the way that it's supposed to and that it is naturally supposed to grow is an act of resistance because it is the embodiment of the no. No, you will not straighten my hair. No, you will not convince me that this is ugly. So here, look at me. Look at me in my glory, like this is who I am. And as enough of us do that, it starts to chip away at the hierarchy, it starts to chip away at the narrative, it starts to chip away at all of that because now we get to walk in the world and create representation for each other, like I did for Tachel. You know, it's like as one person wakes up, it wakes up another person, wakes up another person. And then we start to have conversations amongst each other. We realize, like, oh, the stories are such bullshit. It was just part of their, it was just part of their power grab but there was nothing inherently wrong with us. It was just a story we were being told. So that's how I look at it. I just look at it like a, it's, you know, the, the racism and the patriarchy was infiltrated in all of the areas of our lives, but now we get to do the same, but the opposite. We get to just infiltrate our truth by embodying it. And 
naturally everything will have to adapt as does everything. So that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) I guess this is a message for any Black Latina who is trying to go on the journey of decolonizing their minds, of really finding themselves looking at the world differently and understanding the ways that they were impacted by colonialism and racism and are trying to go on that journey of reclaiming their truth. It starts with the people that are around you. And, you know, I know sometimes it's difficult when we have, when, when we're in a family that has not gone on the journey of decolonizing and says a lot of triggering things and believes a lot of things that like are very you know, hurtful and incorrect. I know that it can be hard to kind of go on this journey when you're around those people, but understand that now you have the power of the internet and the internet can be good, can be put to good use in this context where you can look up people on Instagram who are already on this journey and who can create representation for you. You can look up people on YouTube, you can read articles and you can follow along stories that will help you make better sense of this so that although you may not meet some of these people in person, you can at least see that you're not the only person in the world going through this. And you can expose yourself to stories from other people that will encourage you along your way. And so it's never too late. It's never too late to kind of realize these things and and go on that journey of decolonizing your mind and reclaiming your right to be who you are. Women is a series brought to you by Geneva Peshka. This series hopes to serve as a beautiful reminder to take the time to truly see each other, both in our differences and commonalities. On our site, womendocseries.com, you will find a gender non-specific toolkit that will help you facilitate an intimate conversation like those featured in Women. We encourage you to engage in these conversations with family, friends, acquaintances, and willing strangers to spark and deepen connection, understanding, and respect. Happy connecting.